0: I'm Andrew Faust here at the Center for Bioregional Living, and today I'm going to talk about a range of different things. I thought I'd just tie together some threads that have been running kind of underneath uh, various posts and issues, you know, looking back over a slightly longer arc today and thinking about, you know, over the time of the pandemic and through the last two years as we turn another page and move into the year of twenty twenty three here. I wanted to give a you know, a longer view, a little bit of a reflection on some themes. And one of the ones that I'm gonna start out with that we've on this podcast spent very little time on, but it's gotten a obviously a great deal of press, some of it warranted, and some of it I would say just milking the topic so that they can fill airtime and that would be the vaccination for the covid virus and the various attitudes and platitudes and polarizations that have really come as a result of various viewpoints and opinions that are out there and i wanted to just you know dive into the weeds a little bit here on my own personal position on some of these things cuz i I haven't, you know, used my platforms or my public presence very much to have very many, uh, you know, opinions or input on this. So let me just break it down real simply because I don't have that much to say about this. I do not profess to be some sort of like uh, self-impressed expert on it. Personally, to me... uh, As I researched it, I thought, let's look into the history of both vaccines and antibiotics. And what I found is that, you know, vaccines, actually the first vaccine goes back to cowpox in England. And it was used to help people to not contract smallpox. And it was actually developed by a man named Jenners. And he was not a scientist, he did not have any higher degrees, and he was basically a veterinarian's helper. And he developed the first and one of the foundationally important vaccinations, some of the first people to bring notoriety to the effectiveness of the smallpox vaccine developed by a mere veterinarian assistant from cowpox, was the Queen of England. They were, of course, some of the first to say... Please, if this works, to keep us from getting smallpox, inoculate us. Now, I want to share that because I want to say this whole generalization that's sort of floating out there in the public ether, that in some way, if you are pro-vaccine, then that must mean you are pro-everything science and everything that has to do with the status quo perception of reality. And that if you're anti-vaccine. An anti-vaxxer. Then you are also somebody who. Generally doesn't believe. In any science. And questions the entire. Uh, let's say dominant paradigm. And I would say both of these presuppositions. Are entirely inaccurate. You know people carry paradox within their belief system all the time more often than not human beings have all kinds of paradoxical beliefs and positions that they hold so to assume that because we as a family and we as public people in the permaculture community have said we think that vaccination makes sense, we're an advocate of it That isn't to say that, broadly speaking, I think that all of Western medicine and all of Western science makes sense. But it also isn't to say that I doubt the aspects of scientific knowledge that, to my life experience, are accurate. Okay? Geography, topography, evolution, the water cycle, the history... Of vaccines and human experience with disease and die off in urban environments due to the vectors that go up because of proximity to livestock. How many of us in this field have read and use as a foundational text, guns, germs, and steel, and yet to act as if in some way we don't have our backs up against the wall when we're dealing with something like a pandemic and a global die off and anything that you can Take that might help mitigate it Is probably a good idea Right And it doesn't mean That You know uh, In some way The theory that the earth Is orbiting The sun is in some way questionable Right Um Masks help. I mean, this whole thing about masks I have to also speak to because I get two types of pushback from people that we are suggesting that in some way it makes rational sense for people to become vaccinated against something that could kill you. Hey, if you choose not to, I guess, sadly, you're going to be a petri dish for the rest of us and vectorize it more fully. However, I am not a fan of Taking people's rights away to enforce some sort of protocol, right? We reason with people and use hopefully their higher thinking skills to see that it just makes sense. Just makes sense. It's like what's happening to China right now. You know, they just lifted their protocols, they didn't have good vaccination buy in, they didn't address a lot of the propaganda. And propaganda on both sides is a real thing. What I mean by that is to think that there isn't propaganda that is trying to persuade people to be afraid of vaccines is inaccurate. Of course there is. There's tons of people who want to promulgate their own ideology and will throw money at it. And throw marketing and advertising expertise at attempting to persuade people about things that are hurtful to them. And aren't a good idea in terms of what we know evolution and biology has shown us about human communities. You know, Just take a look at Against the Grain by Scott Peck. I can't begin right now to list, I don't want to take the time to list all of the books, all of the authors that we use as primary texts in the permaculture community. By we in that sentence, I mean the collective, broad, global permaculture educational community is a community that is science-heavy and has this unique capacity to also have a great deal of respect, appreciation and material about indigenous and traditional and cultural ways of living and knowing the world that predate and in many ways take precedent over what is a mere stepchild of science. Science has its place and its place is in some basic applications of medicine and empirical understandings Of the physical reality that we share. There are many metaphysical dimensions to the physical reality. That science does a paltry to very often entirely insufficient job. Of being able to calculate for and register. And that's why good design emerges from both a good knowledge of how does the earth work. We are on a planet in outer space circling a sun. That is in effect an island in space. Which is useful as a design perspective. Because then we begin to understand that it has constraints. There are limits to growth. And that growth and what it is that we grow. Is our opportunity and our challenge of the time. We need to grow health. We need to grow wealth. And we need to stay alive in order to be cultivating a more beautiful earth than we have been left with. And bringing more beauty into the world, bringing more health into the world, and helping human beings to thrive and begin to really prosper in a collective way is critical. You know, there's this tendency to, first of all, obfuscate other issues by just constantly dwelling on and dilating the issue of, Are you pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine? Are you pro-masks or anti-masks? To be totally straight, I'm pro-vaccines, I'm pro-masks, and all this nonsense that says that, you know, why do you think people have been wearing masks in surgery? Why do you think people in hospitals all wear masks? Do you think that that's just them doing something, you know, because it makes them feel better? Of course not, right? Of course not. We know better than that. There's real, clear, empirical effectiveness. Did you forget, as a human being? I'm speaking hypothetically. You, um, d- these these people who keep, in effect, you know, honestly, I feel like kind of trolling material that I put out there and saying to me, "Oh well, uh, you're gonna find out that it's the vaccine that's killing people, and that masks are causing us all to, you know, self asphyxiate and hyperventilate." I mean, what a bunch of hogwash that is a waste of our time collectively to be continuing to spend much um, energy on. And so that's it for me on that topic. Now I'm going to switch to another one, which is this, the war in Ukraine. You know, the war in Ukraine, again, is a media uh, blackout in the other direction. It's a media what else are we going to talk about not much except that sure it's a big issue but you know we are giving more money right now to the ukraine than their entire gnp generates and there's a lot of political and economic incentives to keep the war going there wars are always like this aren't they folks it's called history repeating itself wars are ways to make money and the people who make money off of war want the war to continue Okay? It may be that they're the ones who wanted the war to happen and all shook hands behind doors and agreed to make it happen. To me, you know, there's nothing conspiracy minded about that because it's called the Trilateral Commission. You know, they're actually above board meetings of all the world's leaders where they have lots of behind the door conversations about what they're going to do over the next century, as George Bush Sr. let drop in one of his public addresses at the Trilateral Commission. He said, we have a plan for the next century. So it's a conspiracy to say that there is a global agenda to pull certain strings and to manipulate the world stage and to turn it into a cash cow for various individuals who think they're going to, I don't know, run away laughing all the way to the bank on one of uh, Elon Musk's you know, space rockets to their fantasy island on Mars or something. And if the sci fi techno fantasy solution, as David Holmgren quite aptly named it in his future scenarios iteration, exploring in permaculture, thinking where might we go as responses to various uh, forms of collapse and destitution that we're faced with, you know, take your pick. We're going to have a water crisis, if we don't already. If you ask people who live in fracking country in Pennsylvania, we sure as heck do already have a water crisis. And that water crisis is becoming more and more eminent. Only 3% of all the water on the planet is water we can drink and use to live with. And 1% of that 3% is actually available for us to drink and to use. And we need to be drinking between... Minimum of two quarts, upwards of three a day of really awesome, high-quality, fresh drinking water. And we are contaminating it at a more rapid rate than ever with this uh, last gasp effort to wreak havoc and get a little uh, dribble of energy called fracking. One of the worst ideas next to tar sands ever invented as a last gasp response to Uh, oil, and peak energy demand. Or you could take the broken food system that's setting us up for severe famine, starvation, and die-off. As we look down the rabbit hole, further reliance on the agribiz solutions, all we see is further and further pushing the pedal to the floor of trying to make four species of plants provide 60% of the world's non-food items that are fed to horribly abused and tortured animals that people are then eating and dying in droves from cancers and other illnesses that are entirely a result of polluted air, polluted water and a polluted diet that's science folks, okay let's use science to actually look at who we are, where we are and what our real challenges are And ending this tendency to think that we need to be getting involved in war efforts abroad and starting to actually address the very real war against our own people that is being perpetrated by the way our economy operates, which is a collective phenomenon that we all participate in. And what I'm talking about there is 34 million people who are going hungry in the United States, 9 million of which are children. And when we look at the numbers of homeless, the numbers of incarcerated, good people who are getting trashed by America's prison system. When we look at the desire that Americans have to solve various economic needs by just continuing... To do things like make microchips and computers and nanotechnology and not ever thinking that perhaps, perhaps what we need to do is grow more of our own food in ways that are ecologically restorative and provide a diversity of green jobs and cut down on the energy hog consumer syndrome of industrialization and globalization. And while my solutions may seem overly simplistic to some of you, I would suggest to you that's why they're effective and insightful. Because solutions that are too complicated aren't actually paying attention to foundational aspects of reality. And what reality shows is that human beings can collectively do things To improve our lives through our cooperative awareness of how we live in an interconnected manner with all life on earth, the animals that we raise, the transportation systems that we rely upon, the food that we consume and what were all of the inputs that it took to bring it to us. All of these are ways in which we participate every day and in every way In creating a reality that perpetuates homelessness, starvation, famine, and contamination. And it is about our collective awareness when we think of what direction am I, Andrew Faust, in this podcast suggesting to you as a response to the damage and the broken system. And part of what I'm saying is that over the last two years through this pandemic, we have as a nation, as many people have said in more succinct and probably insightful ways, become divided, polarized, even more unclear about our togetherness, about the inevitability of the need for us to get along. It isn't about laws, it isn't about rules, and it is about increasing freedom and autonomy. The way we increase autonomy and independence is first and foremost by bringing dinner home. By providing the food that we so love to participate in both the imbibing of and the culinary activity of cooking and preparing and processing and the wonderful world of harvesting and foraging and cultivating. And when we begin to bring home this sacred activity of cultivation and nurturing and we really appreciate the beauty of where we are and the humility to become students of where we are so that we can bring to these places that we reside in more diversity, more biological complexity that over time can mature and become our plan for the next century or two or five And it is that multi-century, long-term plan that we are teaching from and continuing to think from as permaculture designers, as human beings who want to participate and are actively involved in the creation of a world that doesn't depend upon contamination, exploitation And the irrational dividing of positions that happens when we allow the media to define the discourse. This is why I'm so appreciative of all of you who listen to my podcasts. We, in the world of self-broadcasting, are seeing an emerging of a much greater diversity of viewpoints and depth of attention... To topics And that's What I attempt to do My small part in With this podcast For you My dear listeners Is to Bring to you Ideas Viewpoints Information That you may not Just come across Out there Easily And You are going to Come away with A clearer perspective That I aspire to bring To your viewpoint As you Move into the world listening to our podcast, understanding that we are creatures enmeshed in a 3.8 billion year old process and that these, in essence, idiosyncratic issues of our times, even, quote, grand scale and epic human suffering, such as the war in Ukraine, such as CAFO-confined agricultural feedlot operations all over the planet, such as all the women and children who have to live in polluted favelas around the base of large international airports as people fly into vacation in their countries. Bringing back the integrity of how we live, to be nested in a true understanding of the beauty of where we live is critical to responding to the funny money, flim-flam, marketing and advertising nonsense that causes us to think that in some way basic human well-being has nothing to do with consuming vast quantities of plastic junk that none of us need in the first place and has everything to do with having really healthy people around us and having a really healthy community to enjoy creating our own prosperity and future prosperity with and so this longer arc theme that I want to start to wrap up on here of this polarization the division the amount of Attention and time we're giving to a very small number of topics that, well, clearly very pressing and important and epic and scale topics. There are also ongoing, preceding epic scale issues that overlooking them will continue to have a long term impact that will be very substantial and potentially much more profound than simply looking at the nearest hottest issues and trying to convince each other who's right and who's wrong. What I will start to sum up today with touching on at the end here is what's happened with Roe versus Wade and what's happened with the stealing of women's rights in this country is just something that leaves a lot of us I think entirely really speechless never imagined it would happen it is another from my again rudimentary understanding it's another substantial fallout due to uh, 45's effective sabotage of the supreme court and it is something that we are reeling from as a country and will continue to be and we need to continue to put our heads together to how to protect the collective well-being of our society which there's no doubt that biologically, ethically and cultural foundation of our society is the health of women and the health of children and children who are born to women who do not want to have children are not going to lead to a healthy society the deck is stacked against them the desire To steal women's rights in this country by a bunch of privileged, pompous judges is morally and ethically a travesty. And we all as citizens need to rally around the women in this country to protect their well-being... And to help raise back up their autonomy, independence, and right to their own destiny. And it still sickens me to hear people say things like Immaculate Virgin on public radio. Giving preachers and time to the recent death of the Pope are all things that I find morally repugnant and that is because they have such an awful and amoral history. And in particular this term Immaculate Virgin points to the roots of the patriarchal misogyny, which are fundamentally to me based on small men, and I mean in mind, petty, puny men, who wish they could be as powerful as Shiva and the mighty, mystical intense force that women embody in part by due of the fact that women are who can give birth. And it is this envy of the power of the feminine, the power of creation, that the misogynist, patriarchal, Christian, and Islamic traditions have really been uh, some of the most egregious violators of women's rights and independence. And this isn't to say, you know, all sects of Islam or all sects of Christianity, but what I am saying is that Terms like the Immaculate Virgin, the Christian ideology that basically assumes that a woman who has in some way um, had intimacy is less pure, less godlike. This is why women in convents, you understand, in the early Christian church would starve themselves so that they wouldn't have menses, so that they could get closer to God. Now this kind of Victorian puritanical mentality, I would suggest to you, dear listener, is alive and well with us today. And is at the foundation of the self-hatred, the self-denial that fuels the consumer society image that sadly, especially women, are having forced upon them by the media and the propaganda machine. More and more and more. And the most important thing as I wrap up today to remember is we need to protect women and children. We need to make sure we have healthy, well-loved and cared for children. We need to make sure that we have really full lives being outside with one another, breathing Doing things with our bodies that are fun. Climbing trees. Not buying into the recreational consumer activities like industrial ski resorts. But just going for walks. Climbing a tree. Planting a tree. Growing some food. Playing with soil. Cutting some branches. Carrying things. Using your body to do practical meaningful work, breathing vigorously, and laughing a lot, and having campfires. And please do yourself, your friends, your family, your children, the service of paying attention to less screen time. Less is more. This technology binge that's happening is really not good for us human beings need to just be we don't need to become anything we need to just be and we need to be in places where there's no jet airplanes flying overhead where there's no helicopters where there's no transmission lines where there's no tractor trailer trucks, where there's very little noise and air pollution, and you can hear water flowing. And you can feel the sun on your face. And you can see raindrops on branches and leaves. And you can smell the moss and the lichens on the trees. Take the time to pay attention and remind yourself to turn off. Turn off the screen. When you turn off listening to something, really turn off. Turn off your phone. Turn off the Wi-Fi. Go outside. Leave your phone inside. And enjoy life on Earth without devices, without media interfaces, And remind yourself that if you're feeling drained, if you're feeling unwell, it very well may be that less technology is just what the doctor ordered. And more breathing, walking, and just sitting. So those are my thoughts for you as we enter into 2023. Stay strong. Stay healthy, breathe, and enjoy your time on Earth. Andrew Faust, permaculturenewyork.com. Join us for our planetary crew training coming up February 11th, permaculture design certification, now through this Monday. There is a unique discount offer available if you send me an email on my website, which is permaculturenewyork.com. Send me an email at the contact there, and I will send you the information to get on this essential world-class training course and to shake your hand as one of our crew members in the long-term mentorship that we offer as well. Thanks for listening.